This morning I changed my sermon title to Being Prepared. Um, I don't know. Uh, I, 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 no, to, to Being Prepared. Thank you, Doris. That was a helpful clarification. Um, not that most of you probably care what my sermon title is, but you should care about being prepared. Uh, it's always a good idea to be prepared, always. Uh, as most of you know uh, by now, Kristen, my wife, is the most prepared person in, in the world. Um, if you don't, you need to find out. But anyways, um, the reason I pack more clothes than I will ever possibly need when I go on a trip is because of her. Um, you see, time plus experience has taught me just to listen to her, just to follow, just to, just to do what she tells me to do and uh, pack the clothes uh, whether I need them or not. Um, so here's, for example... About 14 and a half years ago, Chris and I uh, drove to this town called Dublin, Georgia, um, uh, from Dublin to Vidalia, because the bishop had decided that I might be a good fit uh, to be the pastor of a church called Grace. So after we found that out, uh, we were after we found out we were moving there, uh, we went to Vidalia um, to have an informal lunch with some of the leadership and. Before that lunch, Chris and I got there a little early uh, to look at some houses to rent because they didn't have a parsonage. They had a housing allowance. Hunter was about a month old, uh, maybe a little, little older, somewhere around that, that, that time. And, um, and my wife, the, the, the always prepared one, had urged me to bring an extra uh, set of clothes in case for whatever reason I got uh, my clothes dirty and I thought why would I get my clothes dirty so of course I didn't bring one um, you see after we looked at a couple of houses we were about to head to the church for lunch we decided we'd change Hunter's diaper and I don't know if it was my turn or if I volunteered uh, but I was changing Hunter's diaper and it it happened I'd been fortunate up to this part of Hunter's life. We hadn't had any major hit mishaps or changing the diaper. You know, Chris and I, we were pretty you know, quick on the draw. Uh, maybe we did a little bit of practicing before he came. I'm not sure. But this time, Hunter was quicker. And he proceeded to show me how much he loved me all over my shirt and my pants. My only shirt and pants, thanks to me not listening to my wife. So I had no choice but to go to lunch, the first meeting with this new church, uh, with Hunter all over me. Now, thankfully, my clothes had dried by that point, but I probably felt a little funny. It helps to be prepared. It helps to be ready. And as we continue this Advent season, as we this season of waiting, we are to wait by being prepared. Because just as Christ came that first Christmas morning, we're reminded that Christ is coming back. Christ died, Christ is risen, Christ will come again. So we better be prepared. Our scripture from Isaiah says this, uh, A voice of one calling, In the wilderness prepare the way for the Lord. Make straight in the desert a highway for our God. What's interesting about this passage in Isaiah is that it puts us in... in into our minds two different biblical moments. One is the Exodus, 
After generations of slavery in Egypt, uh, God hears the cries of his people. Over 400 years, God hears the cries of his people and he does something about it. He raises up Moses and God um, to bring the mightiest empire on earth, Egypt, to its knees. He breaks the chain of, uh, of oppression and delivers the people from bondage. And at the same time, this passage looks back, it also looks ahead to the ministry of John the Baptist, the, the trailblazing voice in the wilderness, preparing the way for another exodus. So Isaiah's vision in chapter 40 holds these two stories together, showing us the Messiah Jesus, who is coming, will be our Moses, leading us out of slavery to sin and into the promise of new life and into a new relationship with our Heavenly Father. So this morning I want us to look ahead to the ministry of John the Baptist as we look at getting prepared during this season of Advent. So primarily we're going to be looking at, at Luke chapter 3 to do that. Before that, you have to understand the uniqueness of John the Baptist. And I'm not going to talk about the fact that he ate locusts and that he lived in the desert and he dressed funny. But for over 200 years, the Jewish people had not heard from the Lord. And what I mean by that is that for over 200 years, there had been no prophets. There were no Elijahs, no Ezekiels, no Jeremiahs, no Isaiahs. Now, probably a lot of Jews were kind of glad. Because whenever a prophet from God spoke to them, they seemed to speak of uh, doom and gloom and of, of judgment. But then again, for over 200 years, there had been no fresh word from God. Nothing. But then comes John the Baptist. Listen um, to what um, Luke 3 tells us. What he tells us about John the Baptist. He describes him with the words of Isaiah. A voice of one calling in the wilderness, prepare the way for the Lord, make straight paths for him. Every valley shall be filled in, every mountain and hill made low, the crooked roads shall become straight, the rough ways smooth, and all people will see God's salvation. Now, as we've already heard, that's originally from Isaiah 40. And when Isaiah spoke these words, he was also describing um, the returning of the Israelites from exile. Supernaturally, tear down mountains and make level the ground so that the Israelites could have a clear path back home. Obviously, the meaning in Luke is different now that the Jews have left exile and they're back home in Jerusalem. But these differences combined with 200 years of no prophecy all up add up to one thing. John the Baptist was a new prophet for something new. God was up to something new in Jesus. Luke 3 tells us he went into all the country around Jordan preaching a baptism of repentance for the forgiveness of sins. So here again we see the uniqueness of John the Baptist. Baptism in Judaism had only recently become uh, the norm and it typically was only reserved for Gentiles, those outside the Jewish faith who were trying to convert to Judaism. Here John is expecting everyone to be baptized, Jew or not, and to repent of their sins. Listen uh, to what 
uh, John says to the crowd, verse 7 of, of Luke 3, he said, John said to the crowds coming out to be baptized by him, you brood of vipers, who warned you to flee from the coming wrath? Produce fruit in keeping with repentance, and do not begin to say to yourselves, we have Abraham as our father. For I tell you that out of these stones, God can raise up children for Abraham. The axe is already at the root of the trees, and every tree that does not produce good fruit will be cut down and thrown into the fire. You see, the crowd around John assumed that they did not need to repent because they were already Jews. They already had their ticket, so to speak. They were already on board. They didn't need baptism. They didn't need to be cleansed. They didn't need to repent. They were Jews. They were God's chosen people. They said to themselves, Abraham's our father. Meaning we're already in the club. Here's the thing, though. You have to realize that there's something to get ready for in order to be prepared. You have to realize that there's something to get ready for in order to be prepared. The crowd surrounding John didn't realize that there was something to prepare for. They didn't realize that they needed to prepare because they thought that they were already ready. John was telling them otherwise. Their tradition was not going to save them. Their history wasn't going to save them. John was calling them to prepare for the salvation to come only through Jesus. And before we start thinking that we're, we're not like those Jews, we're not like that crowd, we need to prepare also. Because our tradition won't save us, our history won't save us, our membership in this church won't save us, only our faith and trust in Christ will save us. By repenting, turning from our sin, and turning towards God. be a lot like those in the crowd we can say to ourselves i don't i don't, I don't need to prepare i i've been a member of this church my entire life what are you talking about or i was baptized at nine or 12 or 15 do you know how long i've attended this church i'm i'm ready I, i'm not a, i'm not i'm not a bad person i'm a good person or you might coast in life thinking because you teach this class or this group or you lead this group or you give this much or, or because I have the title pastor that, that I've got my ticket. Or you might think because you're here every Sunday or once a month or Christmas and Easter that you have it made, that you've done enough. Think because you put on a good face and a good front, even though all the chitlins were screaming in the van on the way here. Or you may think because you grew up in the church, or your mama was a Christian, or your grandparents were a Christian, that you have it made. John us. Nope. He says it's not about punt, put, punching your ticket. It's about producing fruit. We prepare ourselves by producing the fruit of repentance. He says in verse 8, produce fruit in keeping with repentance. John says it's not about good 
putting on a good face. It's not about putting on a good front or playing the part or looking like a Christian or being a good person or not being a bad person. It's about producing fruit. It's about walking the walk. It's about living a life that is always prepared for the coming of Jesus. It's about turning from our ways, our sin, and turning toward God. You can't rely on someone else's faith or someone else's repentance. You have to have your own faith in Jesus. You have to put all your trust, all your faith, all your hope in him. Again, this was something new for this crowd that on. They've been relying on their tradition, on their heritage. They're a good attendance at synagogue. And so you can imagine that they had questions for John. And so verse 10, they say, what should we do then? The crowd asked. John answered, anyone who has two shirts should share with the one who has none. And anyone who has food should do the same. Even tax collectors came to be baptized. I love that. Even tax collectors. Teacher, they asked, what should we do? Don't collect any more than you are required to, he told them. And we all said amen. Then some soldiers asked him, and what should we do? He replied, don't extort money and don't accuse people falsely. Be content with your pay. John basically said, live out your faith. And for each of them, it was different. Tax collectors were known for taking too much money. So John said, be content. Soldiers were known for abusing their power. He told them to stop it, be content. To the crowd, he said, give to those that don't have anything, whether it be food or clothing or whatever. You see, our preparation may be different than someone else's. Our preparation may be different than someone else's. We all have different occupations, different jobs. Some of us are in school, some of us are retired, some of us travel. We all have different spheres of influences. In the crowd that day with John, he had commoners and tax collectors and soldiers, all with different spheres of influence, with different people to minister, all with different needs. So we're the same. God has put us in different places with different people, yet he's called us all to be ministers. That's how we prepare ourselves for Jesus. Listen, we don't get ready for Jesus by having our heads up to the sky looking for signs. Ready for Jesus by having our heads down with our hands to the plow doing the work of the Lord. And listen, our imagination is, is the limit. And because we are in different places in life, how we live our, our, our faith will be different. Yet the fact remains that we are called to produce the fruit of our faith wherever we are planted. I'm reminded of uh, the passage from James, chapter 2, verse 14. He writes, What good is it, my brothers and sisters, if someone claims to have faith but has no deeds? Can such faith save them? Suppose a brother or a sister is without clothes and daily food. If one of you says to them, go in peace, keep warm and well fed, but does nothing about their physical needs, what good is it? In the same way, faith by itself, if it's not accompanied by action, is dead. But someone will say, if you, you have faith, I have deeds. Show me your faith without deeds, and I will show you my faith by my deeds. 
we can think that we are prepared. Just because we're a member of a church, we, we can't think that we're prepared because we attend church faithfully. We can't think that we are prepared because of our heritage or tradition or history. Preparation for Jesus comes from our faith working itself through action, through our hands and through our feet, ministering to others. It's easy to talk the talk. It's easy to put on a show, to look the part. It's a whole other thing to live it out. Everyone is called to prepare themselves because there's someone to prepare for, and his name is Jesus. We are to prepare ourselves for Christ to come, either in his return or in our death. For John is not the one we are looking for. John would later say, I baptize you with water, but one who is more powerful than I will come, the straps of whose sandals I am not worthy to untie. He will baptize you with the Holy Spirit and with fire. So in the season of Advent, in the season of waiting, how are you preparing? How are you preparing for the coming of Jesus? want to be left unprepared. Remember, I love you. God loves you. Amen. Heavenly Father, we thank you for your word, old and new. We thank you for the, your word spoken through John, John the Baptist. A voice of one calling out of the wilderness, preparing the way for the Lord. Lord, as we wait on you, prepare us. Shape our hearts to live out our faith with our hands.